Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. When you picture a through hiker, what comes to mind? Scruffy beard, dirty clothes, lots of body odor. You probably also assume that if someone is doing a through hike, they are an avid hiker. And let's face it, more than likely, you assume they're white. None of this was true for today's guest. When Derek Lugo decided to hike the Appalachian Trail, he was a suave New Yorker, clean, manicured, accustomed to life in a big city. He was not a hiker, and he had never camped. But one day, he decided to hike all the way from Georgia to Maine. He wrote a memoir about his experience on the AT. It's called The Unlikely Thru-Hiker, and he joins us today to talk about it. So I'm curious, what made you want to hike the Appalachian Trail as somebody who didn't have backpacking experience, didn't really, wasn't really outdoorsy? Like, what went into that decision? I'm a big reader, and about 15 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, someone handed me a book and said, read this, it's, it's hilarious, you're going to love it. And it was A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson. And yes, it was hilarious, I loved it, it was entertaining, but the one thing that stuck out was this thing, this trail, uh, that he made sound so hard and throughout my life, I've been all about challenges. And for me, it was just a challenge. And it was more so a challenge because I had never done anything like that before. So I said, why not? I'm sure people do this all the time. Turns out, <laughs> you know, normally if you do a through hike, you've hiked it before. Uh, so in my mind, it was I had just came back from Italy. I spent almost a year there. So when I came back, I had several months to just do whatever I wanted to do. And hiking the Appalachian Trail was one of those things where it was almost like a pipe dream where, yeah, I'll do it one day. It's kind of like wanting to run a marathon, uh, travel <laughs> around the world, do things like that, but never really thinking I would do it. And I was laying in bed one night, and it just, it just, popped in my head. I said, I'm going to hike the Appalachian Trail. And with, within a, a week and a half, I was on the trail. Oh my gosh, it was that fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going into this with zero backpacking experience, what were you most nervous about? The thing is, I didn't know what to expect. So I didn't have any fears going in. As I started hiking and hiking alone and doing all these things, that's when the fear factor kicked in. And I was like, whoa, what, what am I doing? Why am I here? But before that, and it was just another adventure. My plan was to actually wear my backpack around New York City just to get used to it, and I didn't even do that. So the first time I actually uh, put my pack on was when I was going to catch the train from Penn Station to Georgia. <laughs> and I almost fell. Like, I actually fell but landed on the wall, and my face, like, hit the wall. <laughs> and it was like, oh, man. By the time I was um, on the trail, there was no turning back. I had five, six months that I had nowhere else to go. There was no other plans. So I was stuck on the trail. 
So even if I didn't like hiking, I was going to stay on the Appalachian Trail. So I wanted to talk for a moment. You mentioned, you talk in the book a bit about the fact that there were almost no other black people or people of color in general on the trail. Um, did that surprise you? Yes. I uh, did not know that was a thing. I walked, I'm from New York City, uh, the melting pot of the world, uh, capital city of the world, I like to say. Um, and I have friends from all over the place, even before I threw hiked. Uh, all my friends are, I like to say, different flavors. And walking into this, um, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know a few things. I didn't realize that there may be people that don't have experience, but not many that have never hiked before is, is what I want to say. Uh, and I didn't know that hiking, this kind of activity, was a white activity. And it blew my mind when I found out. And the, the way I did find out were other hikers approaching me about it, not coming up to me and saying, hey, you're black, but saying, um, we love that you're out here. Thank you for being out here. And I still didn't get it because when they would say that, I would go, well, thank you for being out here. I'm glad you're out here, you know, not getting it. And they're like, no, no, we're glad that there's more black people out here on the trail. And then it took a few more hikers and people saying this, and, and then it hit me. Uh, but people were being pretty forward about it. They were saying, look, there isn't a lot of people out here, a lot of black people out here. You're the only one right now that we know that's through hiking. I couldn't believe it at first, and I decided that I was going to find several black people on the trail. And I kept looking, and when I saw that one day hiker, I said, yes, there's another one. He, and it ended up he was just doing a day hike. And I couldn't believe it. I was... For me, it was sad uh, that it, that it was that was it was a thing. But also, when people were approaching me, mind you, white hikers, it wasn't like they were saying, "Why are you on the trail?" It was more of wanting me to be on a trail that I needed to be on a trail. There's so many different hiking organizations out there right now that want to diversify the trail. Even before Black Lives Matter, they want to, they want more people out there of different, as I say, different flavors. So for me, it, it wasn't like, okay, this is weird. Why now it made it uncomfortable? No, it was more of, okay, this is a thing. Um, I'm gonna accept it. People are going to approach me and say certain things, not any, nothing malicious, but more like, hey, we love that you're out here. Hey, you're the first black person I've seen on the trail. Hey, you're the only black person on the trail. I was gonna take it all in and share my story. And not share my story as a black hiker, but share my story as a hiker. And people, look, when I do talks, you're gonna see that I don't even, Besides my color, I just don't look like a through hiker. I have dreads, the way I dress. Some people say, there's a photo out there of me. People say I look like Captain Jack Sparrow when I was through hiking, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's the thing about the Appalachian Trail is that, like I said earlier, there's no judgment. Be yourself. 
you know i didn't of course i had the right gear and the right clothes but i wore it differently i had bandanas all over the place um and i looked like almost like a dude that needs to be in Times square juggling or something and you know getting paid for like doing acts and stuff but it was the one of those things where hike your own hike like they say and be your own person on the trail and you can be there was people from all over the world all different types of people people that i would have never met if i didn't through hike and we ended up being close friends you mentioned that other hikers were very forward about talking about race and 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 saying hey you're the only black person out here um and I think that's something that, you know, oftentimes a lot of white people shy away from talking about race. They feel uncomfortable about it. Um, did it, was it somehow refreshing that people were very upfront about it? 100%. 100%. Even now when I have uh, white friends that'll send me messages, they're like, I don't know if I should ask this. I'm like, no, ask it. No one was being mean about it. No one was being uh, negative about it. Everyone was positive. So however way it came out, I took it in a positive manner. Uh, there was, um, I have a story of hiking through the Smokies. And an older guy in his 60s stopped me. He was going south. I was going uh, north. He stopped me and he said, look, I've been hiking these uh, trails for years and you're, I don't know how, what number it's in the book, but you're like number, I don't know, it was six or seven black person I've seen through hiking or even on the trail, uh, which was a fact. And I was like, okay. But it was the first thing that came out of his mouth. And even before he said hello, because people, <laughs> are so, people were so eager to share that fact. And I'm hoping this is the case where I have a friendly face that people feel like they can just come up to me and talk to me and say things like that because I'll, I'll, I'll take it that way. If I was someone else or if maybe in New York City, if someone came up to me and said something like that, it may have been a little bit different. But being on the Appalachian Trail, things shift a little bit where people are more open with themselves and with others. And that's, what I, that's why I love the, uh, the Appalachian Trail, my through hike, my experience so much is that it was a, a shift in reality almost where things were uh, a little different and you were able to be more open with others. Okay, so we're going to talk about the surprising level of generosity that Derek encountered on the trail, as well as the delightful story behind his trail name in just a moment. But first, if you're doing a through hike and you're female-bodied, you're going to need to do some thinking about toilet paper. Using toilet paper every time you pee means you have to carry a lot of toilet paper, and then you have to deal with a lot of used toilet paper. And that's not fun. So let me suggest using a Kula cloth. Kula cloth is one of our sponsors. They make high-tech antimicrobial pee cloths that you can use over and over and over again. A Kula cloth makes personal hygiene in the backcountry easy and, well, hygienic. For 15% off your order at kulacloth.com, enter the promo code OUTTHERE2 at checkout. That's K-U-L-A cloth.com, promo code OUTTHERE2. 
Support for Out There also comes from BetterHelp. Let's face it, 2020 is a tough year, which means that many of us are struggling emotionally. I know I am. Even if you have close friends and family, it can be so helpful to work with a professional to process what you're going through. That's where BetterHelp comes in. They offer online counseling to clients all over the world. When you sign up, they'll ask you a series of questions to get a sense of who you are and what you need, and then they'll match you with a licensed counselor. You can communicate with your therapist by video chat, phone, even text, whatever you are most comfortable with. For 10% off your first month of counseling, go to betterhelp.com slash out there. That's betterhelp.com slash out there. And now back to our conversation with Derek Lugo. So one of the things that you talk about in the book that really struck me is this culture of generosity um, on the Appalachian Trail. Um, Do you remember the first time you experienced unexpected generosity out there? It was like the first day I was out there. Uh, Not just people, and trail magic is when you have uh, locals, or just anyone that leaves you uh, food, drink, uh, because when you're hiking, you're burning a lot of calories and you're just starving. (laughs) You know, and having food or even water, the best trail magic I got was uh, in New York uh, State where there was, it was a heat wave, there was a drought, and they, people would leave gallons of water. And that's what I really needed because the streams were all dried up. So that was like the best form of trail magic for me. So the first few days, the first day at Springer Mountain, when through hikers were showing me how to uh, pitch my tent and, and use all my equipment, I was I quickly learned that this was not New York City and I'm 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 from Brooklyn growing up if someone a stranger comes up to you uh in 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 the middle of the city uh they want something from you that's what I grew up learning and my experience and there's a chapter in here um called um a suspicious mind and I go through stories of my encounters in New York City and why um I, I think that way. And that quickly changed while I was on the trail. So for me, I felt when people were leaving food, I felt like, why would, first of all, why would people do that? Is there something in the food? Uh, and then once I realized that people were just being nice and helping us along, then I felt like, do I deserve this? Why, mm. like, I wanted to give them something back. And then I realized quickly that uh, when people would stick around uh, giving us trail magic, they just wanted to hear our story. So I would stay. I wouldn't just take the trail magic and storm off. I would stay and talk to them and share my experience with them because that's what they wanted to hear. Uh, there was a thing going, uh, people, hikers would make fun because I would be the last person coming into uh, camp because I would stop and talk to everyone I ran into. So for me, it was a surprise. It took uh, it took a minute for me to adjust to that, and once I accepted the <laughs> yeah, once I accepted the gifts, then I felt a guilt 
where I wanted to give back. And how could I give back? By sharing my stories. So it, it, it took a minute for me. How did experiencing all this generosity on the trail change your perspective on selfishness and kindness and human nature? I, I tell people this all the time. After hiking the Appalachian Trail, I freely share the word love now with my friends when we're hanging out. Uh, I'll tell them, you know, when we part ways, I tell them I love them. It's funny because as a New Yorker, um, I do have that suspicious mind. But then when I did the trail, that kind of flipped. And then now coming back to New York, I had to merge the two because I can't just walk down Times Square and start talking to people, which the first few days back in New York City, I would kind of look up and want to say hi, but people were in their own world. If To this day, I still nod to people and you know, especially if they give me eye contact and I'll get like a hello. But for the most part, you don't do that in the city. So I, I, had, to, I had to adjust a little bit to my New York life and still wanting that culture of the trail because I wanted to bottle that, everything that I felt on the trail and the generosity and the love and the friendship. I wanted to put that in a bottle and just sprinkle that everywhere in New York City because I wanted the whole <laughs> world to be like that. But it's not. So I had to hold on tight to what I got on the trail, which was uh, that human nature is not what I thought it was uh, growing up. Before, when I first met people, I would get to know them and find out, like, okay, what's, what's their flaw? You know, and that's not a good way to approach a relationship, but you're like, okay, what am I getting into? Now, I, I look at the best part of people. And that's what I took from the Appalachian Trail where don't always look for uh, something that that could happen, that could go wrong. Just go into it accepting the best of people. Mm, I love it. And I can also relate. I've had, <laughs> had similar experiences, so it definitely rings true. Tell me about your trail name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my trail name is Mr. Fabulous. I did not name myself, but uh, <laughs> but you know what? If I was going to, it would have been something close to it. Um, actually, when I got the trail name, I felt like I didn't deserve that trail name. Why would I call myself Mr. Fabulous? It, it just didn't make sense to me. So my whole thing was when I got on the trail... I'm somewhat of a, uh, what you call a metrosexual, more so back then, not so much now. Um, I used to shave all the time. You know, I have dreadlocks. So I make sure my dreadlocks look nice. I get my nails did. And I had like designer clothes. I made sure I looked on point. And I would joke around about uh, wishing I had a full length mirror that I can put in my backpack. And <laughs> I, I told people I was going to shave like every other day at streams or wherever I was when I went into town. So I was going to stay fresh. I had these like baby wipes that I would like wipe my body with before I went to, to, to sleep in my tent. 
so I make sure I stay fresh. And one of the hikers was like, "Yo, you're you're a Mr. Fabulous." And I'm like, "What?" Like, yeah, you're you're a Mr. Fabulous. And I said, "No, this you got to stop right there. There's no way I'm going to call myself Mr. Fabulous." He said, "No, look." And it turns out the the name Mr. Fabulous comes from the 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 Blues Brothers movie where one of the, I think he was a trumpet player, I can't remember, but he was like this suave like looking dude and he was like that's you man, that's you. I'm like there's no way man. I'm going to walk <laughs> around I'm going to I'm going to hike and someone comes up to me and they're like what's your trail name? Well, they call me Mr. Fabulous. And I'm like that sounds <laughs> That sounds creepy. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, if you say it like that. <laughs> so I ended up, he was like, look, just try to use it for a few days and go from there. And for the first few weeks, uh, I would hike with the trail name, uh, Mr. Fabulous. One of the first things people ask you is, what's your trail name? So then I would share that with them, but I would almost kind of apologize about it and tell them quickly that I didn't name myself. Uh, but the reaction I got from people weren't what I thought. I thought people were going to say, like, hey, you know, why are you Mr. Fabulous? You look at me like this guy. You know, he's a joke. But that wasn't the reaction. People would smile, laugh, and want to hear the story of Mr. Fabulous. Every single time. Not one time people were like, really, Mr. Fabulous? And I thought, okay, I'm getting comfortable with this. But the one story and the uh, the one uh, experience that really sealed the deal that that I knew I was going to keep the trail name was I was hiking one day, and there was a group of elderly day hikers in their, in their 60s. Um, and I stepped aside, and we would talk a little bit. They would, like, wish me luck, congratulate me for getting, you know, going that far, and you know, it was just nice conversation. And they were all go by. It was maybe, I don't know, a dozen of them. And the last hiker was a, was an older woman. She must have been, she was super old. She must have been in her hundreds. And she had an aide with her. And she had a cane also. So she comes up to me. She's shorter lady. And she's like, first thing that comes out of her mouth, she's like, what's your trail name? And again, I'm trying to be polite and not sound like egocentral. So I... I said, ma'am, my, my trail name is Mr. Fabulous. And without missing a beat, she says, oh, my God, I've been waiting for a Mr. Fabulous my entire life. And she, re- <laughs> <laughs> and she reaches up, uh, pulls my face closer, gives me a kiss on my cheek, and just kind of like with a pep in her step, she's like twirling her, her, her cane. She doesn't even need the cane anymore. She's like leaving her aid, and she just storms off. And I'm like, wow, like that was like a, like a, a, a very special moment. From that moment on, I said, you know what? That's it. I'm Mr. Fabulous. I just felt like the, tr- the trail name wasn't just about me. It was about other people, and it was about my experience. And I, that's my story, and I'm going to stick with it. <laughs> No, I love it. I think I think it's such a wonderful story and 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 clearly very fitting. So, it's it's great. What are you hoping readers will take away from your book? I would love and I'm sure people hear this all the t- uh, people say this about their books all the time, but to be inspired to step out of their comfort zone, do something out of the ordinary to start doing their dream or just I want people to be more uh, confident 
with the things that they wish or dream to do. And also I've gotten responses from people uh, saying that now their thoughts of through hiking has grown or uh, their kids are now uh, wanting to hike because the, the book is kid friendly. And when people say they read it to their kids, I love it. That was another thing going into this. I wanted everyone to be able to read it. If I had a story to share, I didn't want it to be just for adults. I wanted kids to, to be able to read this. What I want others to get is to get inspired, not just to hike or just you know, to go out there in the outdoors, but to do something out of the ordinary, to do something that they thought they couldn't do. Look, man, I was a guy that had never pitched a tent, never camped out, had no hiking experience, didn't look like a hiker, was walking into a world that uh, was alien to me. Uh, and I came out of it a different person. Fear is the biggest enemy for uh, goals where, like I said in a book, I could have come up with a lot of reasons why not to hike the Appalachian Trail. I had maybe one or two reasons why I did, and I did it, and I went against those negative uh, thoughts and ideas. So just jump in, do it. What's the worst thing that could happen? You don't, you don't accomplish it, then you move on. You learn from it. Well, Derek, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about this. This was great. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. Derek Lugo's memoir is called The Unlikely Through Hiker. We have a link to it on our website, outtherepodcast.com. This episode was edited by Aja Simpson and me, Willow Belden, and special thanks to Lindsay Elmore, host of The Lindsay Elmore Show, for production assistance. Thank you also to Laura Johnston for recommending that we interview Derek. things that keeps me going in tough times is hearing from you. The reviews you leave on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen are the encouragement I need to keep making the show. They also help other people find the show. Here's a review on Apple Podcasts that I really liked. It's from a listener named Emma. Emma writes, quote, I absolutely love this podcast. It brings me so much joy. Great stories, diverse topics, excellent music, funny moments. Listening to it helps me remember how much I need to get out in nature every day. End quote. Reviews like that make such a big difference for independent podcasts like Out There. So if this show brightens your day, let us know on whatever platform you're using. We might even read your review on the show. That's it for this episode. Our strategic advisor is Alex Egerking. Our advertising manager is Jessica Taylor. Sheba Joseph is our audience growth director. Our interns are Kara Schaefer and Margaret Warner, Stephanie Maltrich and Natalia Luderman. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. Be safe out there. And if you're a listener from the U.S., please go vote. We'll see you in two weeks.